Hello, everybody. This is Leslie. And Sarah. And welcome along to another episode of the Tailors in Japan podcast. And uh, today we are kind of catching up on some things that have been going on over the last couple of months. But rather than just give you the details of the various uh, items that have been happening, we thought we would break today's episode up into two general categories. So the categories are challenges and gratitude. In other words, some of the things that we've been experiencing over the last couple of months that have been challenging, that have been uh, difficult in various ways, as well as some of the things that we've experienced that we're very grateful for and uh, thankful to God for. So we'll start today's episode, just jump right in, talking about some of the challenges over the last couple of months. And it's been maybe a couple months since we did our last episode. I know when we said we got new equipment, so we'll pump it out more frequently. That was like, not true, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not totally true. But we are still actually happening having another episode a lot sooner after our last one than the previous time. So maybe if things continue to grow, we'll be a little bit closer in the future. But at any rate, um, I guess there's really kind of a reason that we haven't done one. And part of that is just the last couple of months have just been sort of weird, I guess, really. Um, one of the biggest challenges that we've had, uh, both as a church and as a family in terms of the work here, is that about, uh, what was it, maybe two or three months ago, they started to have, um, I guess, the fifth wave here. Is that oh, yeah, it? after the Olympics. Yeah, well, yeah, it was, I guess it was. It was around the, yeah, it was around the Olympics. Um, is there a movie called The Fifth Wave? Maybe I'm thinking The Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. Maybe Anyway, whatever. Um, but regardless, uh, there was another wave of the coronavirus here. And this was definitely the strongest one so far. Um, Tokyo reached up to what was it, like 5,000 a day, 5,000 new cases a day, which, you know, may seem kind of small in comparison to the U.S. I mean, if you're thinking about a a city the size of Tokyo, compared to many places in the U.S., that may be relatively low. But the thing is, in a place like Tokyo, those numbers can explode exponentially very quickly if you don't handle it. And the other problem is here in Japan, the um, medical system got really inundated very quickly. So even though the cases were only at 5,000 a day, they had gotten to a point where they really couldn't take new people. The ambulances were just absolutely slammed all over the place. There were a lot of problems going on uh, in terms of just the medical system here. And so even aside from just the number of people getting sick, there were a number of people actually who died simply because they couldn't get to a hospital. Um, there was one guy I heard about that he was having, I feel like it was like a heart attack or some, something of that nature. And they had to call, like, it was like 50 different hospitals before they finally found one. And that was like, I don't know how many kilometers away from his house, but it was like, it was at least like, you know, an hour or two drive, maybe more from where he actually lived. So point being, you know, even though the numbers may have looked relatively small, there actually were some pretty negative impacts here. And so we've been really trying to lay low for the last couple of months until very recently, um, just because of how things had gotten, you know, enough that, that we felt like we needed to, uh, you know, take some steps. Now, thankfully, the church was still meeting. We were still doing everything on Sundays, but um, that really kind of closed some doors in terms of getting together with other people and stuff like that, which we had, you know, hoped we might be able to do. So anyway, that's been one of the challenges that we've been facing 
Um, and that's still ongoing. Um, just the other day, we had invited some friends to come over and they said they wanted to wait until the um, state of emergency had been canceled, which hopefully will be at the end of this month. That's what we're hoping is that maybe within the next week or two, we'll get news that that's going to be uh, canceled, at least for now. But uh, either way, you know, things like that happen where people don't necessarily want to spend time together so much and, and some of those challenges. So um, anyway, that has definitely been a challenge. In fact, one of the members of the Matsuda Church um, got the coronavirus uh, during that time. And this individual had to stay at a, a quarantine hotel. How long were they there? Like two weeks? I think so. Yeah, they were, they were there for two weeks. And um, so they had to be at that quarantine hotel away from their family. They couldn't go be with their family and so on. And actually the husband, uh, the, the woman got it and her husband also got it. And um, he was able to stay home because they have two kids. So he was able to be there, but he had to kind of stay away from the kids. And then she had to be at the quarantine hotel. And so, you know, another one of those challenges that kind of uh, showed up there. But I actually think that was... Um, I don't know, this might sound strange, but in an odd way, kind of good for her. Like, I feel like spiritually she was encouraged by it because of the way the church responded and encouraged her and prayed for her. It seemed like she was really encouraged by that, I think. So there was some kind of, you know, silver lining, I guess you could say. In that. And thankfully she was totally okay. Um, she's, you know, relatively young, very healthy. So thankfully she was able to, to handle it well, but um, it was a bit of a challenge on a personal level. So... Anyway, that's been going on, but that is slowly dying down. This last week, the numbers have been down. The highest has been around like 500. So, I mean, you're talking about a tenfold decrease over the last, uh, you know, over what it was about a month ago. So that has gotten a lot better, and it seems like those numbers are heading in the right direction. So hopefully, hopefully, that's going to be um, over soon. But that has been one of the challenges, definitely, that has been happening over the last uh, couple of months. Um, Sarah, can you think of any other, any other particular challenges that we've been facing here? I bring the emotion to this relationship. And so <laughs> this is kind of related to that. Um, just with having people say we can't get together until the state of emergency is over. I always take it personally. And that's hard because when, when you're here and your main focus is to be reaching out and inviting people in, like, come and see, come and see, come and see, you're going to get rejection. Well, not rejection. You're going to, your invitations are going to be turned down sometimes. And I always take that personally. So it's good practice for me to recognize, Sarah, you're not here for your feelings. You're not here for, I don't know, to have people say yes to you. You're here to invite people in to Christ and have people say yes to Christ and respond to Christ. And so I, that's just my personal emotional challenge that goes along with what Leslie has been talking about. Um, but outside of that, uh, we have one, we only have one other big challenge, I think. And that's that one of our members, um, has stage four cancer and it, out of a congregation of 10 people, if everyone is there, including the five missionaries, that is a very big hit. And so we've been walking through that with the congregation. Um, I'm actually really encouraged by how the church has just, I feel like we really have a good, um, togetherness there. I think that they continued to grow that even when we weren't here for three and a half years when Steve wasn't here. Um, 
And I, it's, I guess that's part of my thankfulness too, <laughs> to be able to see their togetherness, um, in the face of something that is so hard and challenging right now. Yeah. Um, you know, on, on what Sarah was saying before, um, you know, about the rejection thing, you know, I was thinking that's kind of one of those hard things is like, imagine, you know, if you were like, come and see, and somebody's like, I might be interested in coming and seeing, but you're going to have to wait until, you know, this state of emergency is over. Um, that's kind of, I think how it feels right now in regards to that, you know, is just thinking about like, you want to tell people and you kind of just feel like this thing keeps kind of standing in the way. Um, and that, that makes it kind of a, a challenge, you know, and the culture here is just different. And I think that's something that's really important for us to understand. And also for, you know, people, if you're listening to this, you know, that's, that's good to understand. Cause I know the, the culture surrounding the pandemic in the States is very, very different than the culture here. Um, you know, and there's pros and cons, I guess, on both sides. Um, but in terms of, of here, you know, people are a lot more cautious about things. And I, I can't remember if we've mentioned this before, but here, if you get coronavirus, um, there's really a sense of shame that comes with it, a sense of like, I did something wrong. I need to apologize to people. Um, it's really an embarrassing thing and can kind of feel like it hurts your reputation, I think, to some extent, if people find out about it. Um, and so I don't think that's something in the States for the most part. There may be some circles where that's the case, but... Um, I, I mean, this is just my impression. I and mean, we haven't been in the States for almost a year now, but my impression of the States is almost like, yeah, I got it, man. You know, let's, and especially, I mean, obviously if you survive it almost, I think sometimes there's a sense of like, okay, I beat it. I'm done with it. Okay, there you go. Um, and of course we know people who have, have lost family members and certainly don't feel that way. But I'm just saying, I think sometimes in the States, there's a little bit more of a sense of, you know, like I can handle this. And here in Japan, there's more of that sense of like, you know, oh no. And so that definitely keeps people away and, and puts that barrier there um, in between some things that we would like to do. So that was just something I was thinking about there. But yeah, in terms of, um, you know, our, our brother here who uh, got cancer, one of the challenges on that too is, is not just a member having cancer. Of course, that's a challenge most of all for him. Um, and uh, this showed up really suddenly. It was just uh, what was it? Three, four Sundays ago, maybe. Um, yeah. it was just like suddenly like he had had some tests that were coming up and it sounded like the test had actually gone well. It sounded like things were fine. And then suddenly he had to go back to the doctor and they said, Oh, actually you have, you know, stage four cancer. And so it was like, Whoa. So that was kind of something we didn't really expect at all. It was kind of out of the blue. And, uh, again, this is a brother and it's the only other brother at the church. Um, you know, it, there's me and, uh, brother Yuxue. And so Yuxue-san, you know, he, he's a, and actually today was the first day that he wasn't able to be there, um, because of, we're recording, we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon and he wasn't there unfortunately today, just because of some of the uh, impacts of, of that right now. And hopefully he'll be able to come back next Sunday. I really don't know. Um, you know, it, it seems like unless God heals him that this is going to be it. He's not getting any um, treatment for it just due to his age. He's 82. I think so. Yeah. So, you know, at that age, obviously it's understandable that you might be like, okay, I'm not really going to try to go through all this stuff at that point. Um, but, you know, I, I that has definitely been a challenge, I think, just emotionally for the whole congregation, you know, seeing that, especially in the middle of the pandemic, everything's already been 
upset. And then now, you know, this, it's, it's been a challenge for everybody, most of all Yukusuya-san. So yeah, your prayers there would certainly be appreciated, especially for him. Um, I've, I will say though, and this is another kind of one of those sort of throwing in a gratitude thing, but I feel like his faith has been very strong in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's responded in a very faithful way, um, trusting in God and, you know, asking prayer, asking for prayers, asking for these things, but also seeming to focus his mind on Jesus and the confidence and the hope that he has there. And um, especially for a really relatively young Christian, he became a Christian, what, five? I think it was seven years ago. I went back and looked and it was oh, okay. seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. So seven years ago. Um, but here in Japan, you know, um, that's a lot younger than it might be in the States just because of the resources that you have available, you know, in the States, a lot of times somebody's going to have a very, uh, you know, in comparison to Japan, a large church. I mean, in America, a hundred person church may be considered small in Japan. That's huge. Um, that's a very large congregation. So, you know, for a, you know, a person who has no other Christian males around him basically at all, um, he's really on his own and, uh, you know, the church is very, very small. There's not a lot of like Christian books that have been translated into, I mean, there's some things, but not nearly what we have in the States or even like podcast or whatever it is to listen to that can help you grow. That's just not available so much here. And so, and also he's 82. So (laughs) I don't know, even if there were podcasts that he's necessarily going to be using those very frequently, but point being, you know, these are some of the, the challenges there. And so prayers for him would certainly be uh, appreciated, um, both for him and for the church and for us, because that's been another challenge. I think from our perspective is I'm used to the States where I kind of know how to respond when somebody's going through something like this. Um, I've been around it a lot. I've been to plenty of funerals, you know, I've done funerals. Um, I've been there with those who were dying. And so that's something I know how to do there, but here, especially because of the pandemic, it's become really a greater challenge. There's a lot of barriers to really being able to spend time with him where he's at. So that's uh, an extra challenge as well. But uh, anyway, so prayers for that situation would certainly be appreciated. So those are a couple of the big challenges. Um, Sarah, can you think of any others that have kind of been related to the work? No, just the, well, no, not really. Yeah, I think those are really the main ones. Yeah, it's just things still being delayed. Like we still haven't started our Sunday school. Yeah. Um, we haven't been able to do a parenting group yeah. or really even talk about doing that. But I don't know. I'm so glad that all of our challenges are kind of like, but there's thankfulness in there too, because one thing I have really appreciated is that even though we've had to say, I think we need to push that back more. It's always been in a spirit of still looking forward to it. No one's been like, oh, we need to just not even plan that until everything's over with. Yeah, let's just forget about it. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's been a really hopeful and positive and looking forward attitude, which is really good because it helps keep it. It helps us to continue to be active in our minds, I think, even when we can't be active as far as physically yeah, you have something to look forward to, yeah. basically. Yeah, you can actually think like this is going to happen at some point. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of when. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, those are some of the challenges. And um, next, though, we want to talk about some things that we're really thankful for. And there's a lot to be thankful for. And I think Sarah has some 
really special ones I think that have happened relatively recently that um, we're, we're very grateful for. So. Okay, so while we were in the middle of our challenges, I happened to see through our curtains that there there was a neighborhood kid out in our yard <laughs> just walking around. Madeline's got a little fairy garden out there. Um, but Who was it? Was it Yumi-chan? It was Yumi-chan. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me laugh, but I'm so thankful that, well, there you go. That's one of our thankful things that we have this house, which is just everything that we could need. In a, posi- in a location where we need, and I know we say this every single time, but it's because we think this literally every single day, how thankful we are to have this home yeah. in such a position that kids can show up in our yard and they know it's a safe place or they come in. We've got kids over here every day. Right now I'm looking at Legos all across our floor because yesterday they had like four friends over here building Legos with them all afternoon. Um, so just again, as always, our house, our home, our community, um, I do feel like we're starting to really be accepted into the community. Um, not accepted. I think we've been accepted, but kind of, I think people see us as part of the community now. And so that's a really thankful thing. Even the kids have noticed that the kid Cambria was telling me yesterday, she was like, you know, it's so funny when we first moved here, we didn't know anyone here. We were total strangers, but now we recognize every face at the park. And it was a very like grown up type yeah. observation from her. But as she won't let us forget, she is about to turn 13. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's been a big, big thing for her recently. I know. It's sweet. Yeah. Um, so that's one of our thankful things. Another is kind of along those lines. I I have felt recently that even though we are still very much waiting for the end of the um, state of emergency. I do feel like relationships are starting to go to a deeper level. Um, We have that one family who is the homeschooling family, and I have done a whole lot with their family recently. Um, They've helped me out with a couple different things, which in Japan is kind of a big thing. Like there's very much a give and take, or maybe I should say give and give. Like if someone does something nice for you, you need to make sure you do something nice for them. Or if someone gives you something, you need to make sure you give something back. And so reciprocal giving is very important. Yes. And so they had offered to help me with something a couple weeks ago and it wasn't something I really would have pursued on my own, but I was like, you know what? They're offering to help. I should accept this. But through that, we've been able to have good conversations. Um, the, the mom had asked me like, what time do you want to go do this thing? And I was like, well, I get up at five in the morning. So really any time is fine. Cause she wanted to go early. So when we were walking down to the place where we we're going, she was like, so you get up at five, like, what do you do during that time? And I was like, well, I'm really glad I can honestly and genuinely say I study my Bible and pray for an hour. Um, cause that's not something she does because she's not a Christian. And so it was really neat to be able to share that part of my Christian life with her in such a natural way. And so I'm thankful for these opportunities. I'm really thankful that I said yes to this help that I didn't need so that I could have that conversation with her. Um, And her kids are ones who are over here almost every day. And the kids were watching Boss Baby together. And there's one part in that movie where the baby says, like, I'm the baby Jesus. And so I asked their kids, like, hey, do you know who baby Jesus is? And so then my kids jump in and Boston's like, he's the son of God. And they're telling their kids all about baby Jesus. So 
Um, just the ability that even though there are some people who aren't comfortable with getting together, God is giving us so many other opportunities. Like maybe this door is not open right now, but there are other doors that are open. Yeah. And I just thank him every day. Like, thank you for giving us these opportunities and letting us walk through these doors with you. Um, yeah, I think just thinking about those things too, it is, you know, this house has really been such a key factor in those relationships. There's so many relationships we've made in this neighborhood that it's just impossible to look at them and say that God did us, didn't want us here in this particular spot. And again, I know we've mentioned this before, but we just think about the timing. Like it's the timing is what ended up, ended up putting us here. And that's a, that timing is, it's easy to look at that as just like almost like a specific thing, but it's really not because that timing had to do with a worldwide pandemic. And I'm not saying that God planned a worldwide pandemic purely to put us in this house. But what I am saying is that that timing resulted in us being in this house. And I think God can be doing a million things through any given situation. So I don't think that we're the only ones that he's doing something for, but I have no doubt that he was using this for the purpose of being fruitful. Um, I'm very, very confident in that. And so you think about that, you think about how God uses these situations to be able to put us in places like this. It's, it's really a blessing and it's an answered prayer. And uh, this house, again, that just, it makes a big difference and it makes a big difference for a couple of reasons. Number one, just the location where we are is, is such a blessing but also the ability to be so um, hospitable to people in the neighborhood, to be able to have the space to feel free to do that. And it's also good for me because I am working at home a lot. And so if I'm doing something at home, the kids can still be here and it doesn't interfere with my work at all. So there's just so many blessings. And I know we've talked about this before, but just every single time we think about it, we think about how big of a blessing this place is. And so we're grateful to God and we're grateful for those who uh, support us financially because that's the reason this is possible. You know, it's not because of us, it's because of God and it's because his people made it possible. Just one more thing to kind of frame it a little more. One thing we hear constantly over here is people saying, I wish I could invite you over, but my apartment is small and they legit will not invite you over. Yeah. Like I have really good friends whose houses I have never been to. And to be fair, they're not always exaggerating. Like no, they're not. sometimes their apartments are legitimately very, very small. But that's why our having this space is such a blessing, like we've talked about over and over again, and we'll continue to talk about over and over again. Yeah, because um, it is a big blessing. It really is. So another positive is that one of my friends who has been concerned about COVID just Two weeks ago, um, finally it did invite me to her apartment, but kind of humorously, it's because she moved to a new apartment that's bigger than her old apartment. <laughs> she had told me she would invite me over once she moved. Um, but I'm really thankful to be able to deepen that relationship with her. Her two sons are two kids who have become very good friends with our kids. They're over here quite frequently yes. at our house. Yep. Um, they spent all summer together. And so for me to be able to build a relationship with their mom is a really positive thing. And actually they lived in America for two or three years. Yeah. Um, and so they actually have some friends who are Christians. So they're, they're not new to this. Um, actually one of their sons read through, um, 
I think it's the Jesus Storybook Bible. His mom just told me that on her own. She's like, oh yeah, he read through this Bible. Um, do you know if there's like another, like a sequel yeah. <laughs> to it? Um, the sequel hasn't quite happened yet. <laughs> yeah, but I've... <laughs> Hopefully you'll be there for it though. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. <laughs> um, come and see. But uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. She's actually invited me over twice. Like to we have two different dates planned. So that's a positive. And then my other recent positive, thankful thing is, um, like we've talked about how all the kids are in tennis, Leslie's in tennis. And when I had called to sign up the kids, I spoke to someone who spoke some English. And so she was super nice, super helpful to me, but I've never actually been able to meet her because she's never working when I go up with the kids for their evening classes. Leslie, however, had met her Um, when he was signing up, there were two different days that he had to do stuff. And so he got talking to her and found out she had lived in California for three years, I think. Um, and she actually had gone to a church while she was there. Which incidentally, one of her favorite things was having food. Um, (laughs) I mean, she did say, I guess, I don't know if it was like Japanese or something. There is a large Japanese presence out in the West. And so I feel like maybe they had like Japanese food there um, on Sundays and such. So that was something that she noticed. Anyway, I just thought it was kind of funny that one of the big things she noticed was that they ate food together. So, <laughs> you know, let's, let's keep doing that anyway. Yeah. Um, so Leslie got to know her, but obviously he can't really be like, Hey, do you want to come over to my house sometime? Yeah. <laughs> um, or, I mean, he he did talk to her about coming to church, but... Yeah, and I was able to talk to her at least about, like, my job, like, what I do, and explain to her where the congregation is and so on. So that was good, but there, obviously, with her being a, a female, it was, you know, some, some limitations, perhaps. Yeah, so last week, I took Cambria over to her class on Saturday, and this person happened to be working, and she went out of her way to come over and talk to me, and she stood there and talked to me for a good 30 minutes which was awesome. Like, I'm so thankful to have people who aren't just like, hey, nice to meet you. Bye. (laughs) Um, But in the process of that, she did tell me about the Japanese food she got to eat at church. (laughs) That's a big deal. I mean, you know. So she asked me if we do that. And I said, like, well, we're not right now. But like, hey, if you want to come over to our house sometime, I'd be more than happy to eat food with you. (laughs) So we actually friended each other on Facebook. Um, And then she looked down at the table I was at and she noticed I had my notebook out and like 8,000 different colored pens. And she was like, oh, are you studying? And I was like, actually, no, I was sitting here writing down prayer requests for my friends so I can pray for them. And she was like, oh, you're so kind. And I was like, you know what? I should ask her if she's got something she wants me to pray for. And it's always, I mean, I know that you guys experience this too. It's hard to say stuff like that. I don't know why it is, but I was like, you know what? I'm just, this is who I am. And so I'm going to ask her. And I asked her if she had anything she wanted me to pray for. And she said, yeah, would you pray for my son's health? And I was like, totally sat down and wrote it down. And I've prayed for her and her son since then. But I was sharing that with one of my friends here in Japan. And my friend was like, wow, that's so good that you do things like that, that you'll ask people that. And I was like, let's be clear. This is not who I am. Sarah Taylor is not an outgoing person who 
just like talks about Jesus constantly and has no fear in asking people if she, she can pray for them or things like that. Like this is God changing my heart. This is the Holy Spirit helping me to do these things. So I don't know. I, I want to encourage you guys. And I encouraged my friend, like, don't think that you're not equipped for these things. God will equip you for these things, even when it's completely opposite of who you are. He gives you these opportunities and then he gives you what you need to work through these opportunities. And he'll bless those opportunities if you're following his will and sharing him with other people. Yeah. I mean, again, as we've talked about before, Jesus, it's his promise, you know, ask for what you need for bearing fruit and he'll give it to you, you know, and, uh, he does, he fulfills his promises, which we shouldn't really be, you know, surprised at that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I, I think this kind of shows too, to me, how good it is to have this partnership. You know, I, I think it's really easy for a lot of people and this isn't just true of missionaries. In some ways, it might be less true of missionaries, perhaps, but I think it's definitely true in the case of a lot of ministers in the church that people kind of feel like, okay, the real job is the minister's job. You know, the guy does it, and the woman may do some stuff here and there, but really she what she does, she does largely just like any other member of the church does. And I think, you know, if we look at the Bible, we see Priscilla and Aquila as partners, you know, as, you know, working as a team for the Lord's glory for the kingdom. And that's what I see when I think about what, what Sarah and I do here, because frankly, there's just a lot more opportunities for Sarah to engage with people than there uh, are for me. Um, as a man, a lot of men, if you're not working at a normal job, having real opportunities on a regular basis to engage in meaningful ways with men, it just they aren't very common. And I'm not saying that, you know, like they don't exist at all and there's not things I can do, but without a doubt, there's a difference. Um, Sarah simply has, and probably always will have, unless, I don't know, maybe when we reach like 70 or something, maybe that might change, but at least as it is right now, um, you know, Sarah has more opportunities because there just tend to be more opportunities for women in this culture. Um, which is also why there tend to be more women at churches here compared to men. I think that's another reason because men are just so busy, which isn't to say that I haven't built some relationships here, but again, getting deeper and finding opportunities for those kinds of spiritual engagement engagements is a little bit difficult. Um, but that's why working as a team is so important, working as, as partners in the gospel rather than just like, you know, Leslie is the missionary and Sarah is just, you know, a homekeeper or, you know, whatever, um, you know, and I mean, Sarah does do a lot of stuff here at home to be sure. And that is a very important role, but she also has a, an important role in the work that we do here with the church. Um, and so, you know, I, I just want to say that just to encourage you guys to think about that, not just in relation to us, but in relation to any minister, um, to think about it that way. Cause again, we have the biblical example of that, of Priscilla and Aquila, where you have kind of, I don't know if it's right to call it a tag team, maybe, but, you know, something along those lines, certainly a team, a partnership that's occurring for the sake of the gospel. And that's what I see here um, for sure. But, uh, you know, I will say there are some other opportunities. In fact, one thing I'm really grateful for is this Tuesday, we're actually going out to dinner with an older man that lives just down the street from us. Um, and again, another thing that has happened because of the location where we are. But his wife passed away a few years back, 
so he's a, a you know widower now and um you know i definitely think he seems like i don't know if i would say he's searching right now i'm not sure if he is or not but i definitely think he feels a little bit lonely he definitely seems to be very lonely right now and so he was inviting a lot of the neighborhood kids like just into his little yard it's not really a yard really i should say his, his driveway. driveway yeah when he has to move his car in order to open the driveway but he would have like ice cream for some of the local kids or like sometimes like a pizza and there were always adults there he wasn't doing this like this was all completely out in the open not anything private at all um but uh anyway so you know he was doing that and kind of opening things but actually this tuesday he had been wanting to go to some Chinese restaurant in Tokyo and we were going to go with them. But about the time that we were going to go, the virus numbers really started spiking. And so we were like, maybe now is not the time to go to a restaurant in the middle of Tokyo. And this one really is, it's in Asakusa. So it's in kind of a main part of Tokyo. So we asked him if we could put it off and he was fine with that. Um, but actually that kind of actually connects with another good thing that's happened recently is one of the reasons that the numbers I think are going down, but also one of the reasons that the government certainly is considering lifting some of these um, these uh, emergency declarations soon is because the, the vaccination numbers here have really skyrocketed. We're over 50%. I'm not sure if they've overreached the states yet. I haven't really been paying attention to the numbers really greatly over the last week or so. But if it's not this week, certainly within the next week or so, Japan is... Uh, I say scheduled, basically on on track, I should say, to uh, overtake America in terms of vaccinations. Not that it's a contest, but my point is to say... Everything is a contest. Everything is a contest. <laughs> um, but the, the thing that that does do is it makes the government more willing to open some things up, to con consider making some changes. And they slowly, slowly, slowly are making some changes. Everything's slow here in Japan. Um, but... Um, Still, they are making some of those changes because of those numbers, and that's a good thing, you know, because as that, that happens, there's less of a barrier for some of these things. So again, on Tuesday, this Tuesday night, we're going out to dinner with him at this restaurant. Um, I don't really know anything about it, um, but I'm excited for that opportunity. You know, that's a great opportunity. He's an, an older guy. He's kind of alone. And I really think, you know, if he came to Matsudo, that would be a great blessing to him too. I think, you know, it would be really encouraging to them. It would be encouraging to him. So um, you can be praying for uh, for that that individual as well. Um, I guess we can give his name. It's uh, Goto-san is his name. Goto is the last name. I said Goto-san. San is basically just how you say Mr. or Mrs. in Japanese. So um, Goto-san is just like basically Mr. Goto. So um, it's in English, you would spell it G-O-T-O-U. Um, Goto. Goto. That's right. Yeah. Um, for all you Southerners out there, um, I got the Yankee here making fun of us Southerners. Um, but anyway, so uh, we're going to have dinner with him and we're, we're excited about that. You know, that opportunity. And we've actually already had him over for dinner. We did have him mm -hmm. over for dinner once and we've been over there with the kids a couple of times as well. So, um, you know, again, another relationship that I am grateful for, but again, he's retired. So, that's pretty much the time that you can make relationships with, with men here um, before they start their job and after they retire. In between that is notoriously difficult for them to have time to do anything, even with their own families. Along those lines, I kind of wanted to just share a little bit about Yukusue-san 
um, our brother at church who has cancer right now, because he just encourages me so much. And I think a lot of people in the States could be encouraged by him too. Um, he had retired and his wife had passed away and somehow he had his hands on a Bible in his late seventies or mid seventies, I guess. And we didn't know him. None of us knew him. He just showed up one day at church and was like, I've been reading this Bible and I want to become a Christian. And I think Steve was the one who was there and he was like, whoa, like, okay, like wicked Ethiopian eunuch moment. (laughs) And so Steve studied with him and was like, I mean, he knows what he needs to know. Like, let's get him baptized. Yeah. And so Yukusuesan was baptized and started coming to church. Never looked back. Never looked back. Immediately jumped into serving. Um, he was baptized right before my parents came to visit, I believe. And even my mom, who doesn't speak any Japanese, could see in him like, wow, this man, like he gave his life to Jesus. Yeah. Because I think he had been leading the Lord's Supper when my parents came. And even someone who couldn't understand the words he was saying could understand the depth of his dedication. And he's now 82 dying of cancer, barring God changing that. And still like last or two Sundays ago, walked from his nursing home to the train station, rode the train 15 minutes and then walked another 15 minutes to get to church Yeah, because he wanted to be there yeah. with his body failing him. I'm just so encouraged by the older Christians who we do have here. I remember another one of our sisters who hasn't been able to come. Um, I think when years ago, whenever Debbie was dying, she wanted to bring Steve some food. And this woman was like bent over in half, but she walked to Steve's house with food to serve him. I, they just encourage me so much here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, literally he was just, um, not last week with, but the week before, um, you know, he showed up at church. He was a little bit later than we expected. He wasn't actually late, but he was just later than he normally is. Um, but he had, you know, gone to the station and then walked to, you know, taken the train and then walked from the train station to Matsudo. And I mean, you know, he's having physical symptoms from the cancer, obviously. And yet there he was. And he even did like, um, uh, we don't like normally in America, we do like song leaders kind of like in a sense, direct the service, like the service director, I guess you might might say, if you want to call it that. Um, but they kind of just, maybe you could say MC it sort of, well, that's basically what he does. So even after all that, he got there and then he was kind of being the MC for us, just sort of, you know, directing things and, um, telling us what was going to be next. And, you know, he did some prayers and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it's just really amazing, you know, and, I have one more thing to add to that. Yeah, The day that he told us that he had cancer, the way that it came up was during our Bible study after worship services, Leslie had asked for people to share um, what they were thankful for in the last week. And he's like, I have something I'm thankful for. I have stage four cancer and I'm not going to seek treatment for it. So I don't know how much longer I'll live. And I'm really thankful that I have peace through God over this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he shared it in the context of gratitude to God. So, I mean, I just think about that, you know, and um, yeah, it is really encouraging for sure. Just Yusuf Hassan. And uh, again, um, 
you know, would appreciate prayers for him and, and for the church with that. But uh, anyway, there's, you know, I'm sure there's some other things we could, we could think of in terms of, of gratitude. You know, um, I'm really thankful for how well uh, the, uh, the sermons have been going. I feel like my Japanese has maybe been improving a little bit um, just in terms of expressing things. I feel like people are understanding what I'm wanting to say, even on topics that are relatively complicated at times. So I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful that it's not just totally being lost on people. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes I think things are confusing, but that's true even in English. Even when I explain things, uh, as, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, even when I explain things as best as I can in English, sometimes it's, sometimes topics are just difficult. You know, I mean, you think about like the Ethiopian eunuch. He was reading the text. The text was right there, but he didn't understand what it meant. And so sometimes there's things, I mean, even Peter said that Paul's teachings are, you know, sometimes difficult to understand. So the fact is not everything in scripture is easy to understand. Um, and so even when somebody's preaching on it, it may not always be easy to understand as far as the meaning or the, the depth of it goes, but at least you can understand the words that the person is saying and what they're trying to explain. Even if you can't totally process everything that's being explained, if you might understand the words of the explanation, if, even if you don't totally understand the meaning. So um, to me, it's not a small deal just to be able to have words that make sense. <laughs> um, if I can actually have intelligible words, intelligible phrases that people aren't looking at me with a puzzled look like that grammar makes no sense, then to me, that's a success. So that's something I've been thankful for. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I hope that continues. And I also say too, Sarah mentioned this very briefly, but we recently started doing... Um, a discovery Bible study type study after worship services. And that has been going, I feel like pretty well. Um, you know, sometimes they're better than others. I mean, to be fair, the literally the first one was the one where Yukusui-san told us that he was dying of cancer. Um, so that was definitely, you know, not exactly the way that I had uh, planned to start those. But it also, I'm very thankful that we had that opportunity to share that so that everybody could kind of listen and talk. Um, and, uh, you know, anyway, I mean, you know, I guess you could say you can only get better from there. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? That's kind of obviously tough news to hear in the first one. But, um, you know, I feel like people have been sharing and we've been talking about stuff. And I'm hoping that this will continue on. Next week, we're really getting into things that I think will be more directly related to people's lives. Because we're starting to get into where Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say. And so we'll be talking about, you know, anger, lust. Um, greed, things of that nature, how we treat the poor and so on. And so I feel like these are things that we can, um, you know, talk about a little bit more easily as time goes on. So we're looking forward to that and very grateful that that has been well received so far. That so. is one thing with you talking about your language abilities. Every one of our members is so willing to learn even these deep things. I feel like, I mean, yeah. I can't understand everything and I'm not the one up there preaching, but they'll ask questions if there was something they didn't understand. And they're not just like, oh, remember in Florida, we had this man who would always pray, like help Leslie to present this in a way that we can understand. <laughs> <laughs> and so nobody's praying that. Yeah. Uh, well, not out loud anyway. But, um. I, they, I feel like they're, they're hungry for the things they ought to be hungry for. And I yeah. think that that's encouraging to you to know you're not wasting your breath. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And not that I think I was wasting my breath with that person in any way. I'm not even sure necessarily that what he said was the way it sounded per se. I'm not sure. But, you know, I think sometimes there are things that are difficult and I feel like people here are willing to try to process it. And even today, like today we were talking about um, the in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20, and then also verse 48, where Jesus says that don't think I, I came to abolish the law, I've came, I come to fulfill it. And so we were talking about that and how... Um, you know, we're made righteous through Jesus. Um, and so our confidence of our righteousness is in his works, not ours. And yet that also should produce in us a desire to be perfect as our father is perfect. So our confidence is not in our works, but in God's work, in, in the work that he's accomplished through Jesus. And yet because of that work, we should be working just as Paul says in Ephesians 2, um, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so I was kind of explaining that point in today's sermon, and one of our sisters in the uh, conversation afterwards brought up that that was something that she found challenging because it seemed like almost like a contradiction. Like on one hand, I'm saved by Jesus' works, but on the other hand, I'm supposed to be working. And I was really glad that she, that I basically I felt like good. I've expressed that because that's exactly what you should be struggling with. You should be kind of feeling that tension between the confidence we have in Jesus and the reality that I also need to be um, living more like him. And and so um, I was kind of glad that that was something that she mentioned because it made me feel like I had expressed the point in an effective way. Um, so because I, I was kind of afraid that maybe people might lean too far one way or the other. And I really think that balance is important, but that balance is going to create sort of that, that feeling of tension. So anyway, something I'm grateful for, um, you know, it, I've still got a long way to go. I'm not at all, you know, where I would like to be, which I mean, where I'd like to be is where I am in English. <laughs> that's what, that's what would be nice. I don't know if I'll ever be there. Um, what was it that, uh, um, Yamamoto sensei always used to say, and it was something about it's forever. It's a forever journey or something like that is something to the effect of basically, you're learning Japanese forever. You never stop learning Japanese. It's not like you're like, hey, I'm, you know, I've been speaking Japanese for 50 years and I finally reached it. I'm done. I know Japanese. It's a constant journey, you know, so. There yeah. is a sermon in that. That's a yeah. perfect analogy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, you think about running the race and so on. Um, although at least for our, in our case, there is, it's not, well, there is an eternal aspect, obviously, but there's also a goal that we do reach. And so I look forward to that. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't exist in Japanese. So <laughs> um, anyway, so those are some of the things that we've been, you know, challenged with over the last months and some of the things that we've been very grateful for. And I think most of all, what we can see and what we hope you can see is that God's at work. And, you know, one of the things I've had to come to realize is that that work's going to look different in different places. And I mean, in some ways it's going to look the same. In other ways, it's going to look different. You know, we have some friends who uh, are actually about to go to Greece to work in a, a refugee camp as uh, missionaries with another team. And that work is going to be really challenging. I, I can only imagine how difficult that is. They have a, a small child. She's three, you know, and so they're going over with a small child and they're going into this refugee camp to serve and to do all this stuff. And, and I can only think of, you know, the challenges that they're going to face. I mean, um, 
you know, we've heard stories of, because these refugees are, are primarily from, you know, they're from the Middle East. So you have a lot of uh, basically Muslim refugees for the most part. And there's been some calls from people in those communities to, you know, attack even Christians and stuff. And so you think about them, you know, and yet you see God working in those places, God pulling people towards him. And we have other friends that live in other parts of the world who, you know, experience really challenging things. And we see God at work there. And here in Japan, I think about the work we do here. And I I look at our life and I'm like, I mean, look at this house. Like, um, this is the nicest house we've ever lived in. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have, you know, all the rooms we need. We have the space that we need. We have our nice gas stove. We have, you know, the heated water, clean water. We have our fridge. We have our TV. We have, I mean, it's a small yard, but it's a yard. I mean, think of all the stuff we have. I mean, today we were able to go to, you know, a restaurant with Boston. Um, You know, the the girls are out with uh, one of the sisters from from the, the church here. And so we were able to have that time with him. And I think about that. I'm just like, man, we have it easy as missionaries, we really do. There's nothing physically challenging about this work. Yeah. I mean, there may be some emotional challenges, you know, at times, and there's challenges in any work, no matter where you are, obviously. Um, But there may be some emotional challenges of being in Japan, but physically, we are so blessed here. Um, And yet, God's still at work here, just like he's at work in those other places, you know? And I think that's one of the things that we are really, you know, grateful for that we've been able to see recently. And we hope again that you can see is that God's at work. And that's what we want to see. We want to see that fruit. That's why we came. As we've always said, we came to bear fruit. That's why we're here. And so we feel like recently, I don't know how to say it. Maybe we've started to see the buds of that fruit kind of starting to form. You know, we have this, I've I've mentioned maybe before the grapevine that we had at the church building. And I remember when those grapes just started to form. Like you just started to see the grapes and they're just these tiny little buds, but you knew they were going to turn into grapes. And actually at first I'd I'd never really watched them from the beginning before that I remembered. And so I remember looking and being like, are these going to be the grapes? Are these leaves? I don't know what these are, but eventually, you know, they did become the grapes. And so my point is I kind of feel like we're starting to see that. I kind of feel like we're starting to see just the beginning stages of that fruit, um, but we continue to pray and would request your continued prayers that uh, that truly does come to be fruitful because that's what we want. We want to see fruit that uh, glorifies God and that increases in his kingdom. And so uh, in all of these things, your prayers, both for God's aid and for thanksgiving, are certainly appreciated. Well, thank you guys, as always, for uh, listening Um you know, we know you don't have to, but we hope that this has been uh, maybe encouraging in to you in some way, uh, or at least interesting, if nothing else. So uh, again, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Sarah, anything else you want to share before we head out here? No, I think we're good. Okay. Well, thanks again so much for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Until then, this has been Leslie. And Sarah. Stay safe, guys, and uh, keep walking with the Lord. Bye-bye.